As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. There's another election for president of U.S. Soccer Federation on the horizon. Steph Young spoke with the incumbent candidate Cindy Parlocone about her campaign and what she hopes to accomplish in a full term at the helm. And Steph Young is here today to talk about that interview with me. I'm Alex Abnos from The Athletic, and this is Soccer Every Day for Wednesday, February 16th. But first, your TV guide for today. As always, all times are Eastern, and just like yesterday, it's a big day for the Champions League on both sides of the Atlantic. In the UEFA Champions League, both games kick off at 3 p.m. That We're in the round of 16, and we talked about these games yesterday with Felipe Cardenas, so if you want a more in-depth preview, I would listen back to that episode. But like I said, at 3 p.m., Inter Milan versus Liverpool on big CBS, over-the-air CBS, also on Tudene and Paramount+. Plus. And then kicking off simultaneously, Red Bull Salzburg hosts Bayern Munich. That's on Paramount+. Plus. In the CONCACAF Champions League, there are three games. The first one starting at 6 p.m. First off, Guastatoya. They're the champions of Guatemala versus Club León of Mexico. That's on Fox Sports 2 and 2DN. 8 p.m., Forge FC, the Canadian representative against Cruz Azul. That's on Fox Soccer Plus and 2DN. And then at 10 p.m., Deportivo Saprissa from Costa Rica against Pumas, another Liga Emeki side. That's on Fox Sports 2 and 2 de Those are the big games today. Let's send it over to Steph. All right, it is Wednesday, and I have Steph Young here with me. And Steph, you have an interview with... Uh, one of the U.S. soccer presidential candidates, Cindy Parlocone, out today. It's a big year for U.S. soccer in a number of ways, obviously, with the, with the Men's World Cup on the horizon. But it's also a presidential election year. It seems like we just did one not that long ago. Um, but there is another one happening again. Cindy Parlocone, the current uh, incumbent U.S. soccer president, is running again. And running against her, interestingly enough, was is the previous U.S. soccer president who was ousted from his post uh, after just a number of different controversies, mostly having to do with the equal pay fight on the U.S. women's national team. I am, of course, referring to Carlos Cordero. Uh, you have sort of set out to do a Q&A just sort of on the platforms of both of these candidates. 
Uh, so far, you've only gotten uh, Cindy Parlacone, and we'll get a little bit more into why that might be later. But to start with, I think it might be useful for listeners that are unfamiliar to sort of go over what this election actually is, because a lot of people, when they hear election, they you know might assume there's some sort of public uh, component to it. Uh, that is not the case uh, for for U.S. soccer president. Can you sort of explain how U.S. soccer works in a government as a governmental or as a I don't know governmental like organization uh, in this <laughs> as a governing body as a yeah. governing body? There's the term I'm looking for yeah. uh, in this well, instance. Our colleague Meg Linehan, um, get better soon, Meg, with your broken <laughs> leg, wrote a an explainer for the Athletic, which is pretty good. The long and short of it is that U.S. Soccer has an AGM, an annual general meeting, and at this meeting, um, delegates from all the little member bodies of U.S. Soccer come together and they vote. And um, there are different bodies that have votes. Among them, it's like uh, the Athletes Council, which is exactly what it sounds like. It's staffed with athletes or former athletes from the teams. There's youth soccer. There's uh, other adult organizations. Um, You can go to U.S. Soccer and they should have a full list of all their member organizations. And these represent broadly the interests of, you know, all of soccer in the United States of America, where they're supposed to. And then they all have a different percentage of the vote. Um, The Athletes Council has a huge chunk uh, because by federal law, as a governing body, the athletes have to have a one-third share of representation um, due to recent legislation, which makes sense, right? It's a governing body of athletes, so they want to ensure that athletes have a voice in the body that governs them. but it does mean they're an important voting block. Uh, but, you know, youth soccer also, as a body, a powerful voting block as well. Um, so the they all vote together. There's only two candidates. So this time, uh, they just need a, one of them just needs a simple majority to win. Well, it's interesting this time around because Cindy Perlicone took over after Carlos Cordero stepped down. And she sort of stepped into a really, uh, I don't know, for lack of a better term, interesting uh, time in in U.S. soccer governance between the equal pay fight and the pandemic. It just seems like it's been crisis after crisis uh, so far. She hasn't had much of a chance to really articulate a vision for the future of U.S. soccer, maybe until this moment, at least not publicly. So mm-hmm. as you were talking with her, what did you get a sense of that being? Do you, you know, what's what's her plan? Well, the the COVID thing is certainly something that came up a couple of times, which is that she's had to spend a lot of her presidency responding to pre-existing crises, Mm -hmm. especially the way that she came into things. So she said a couple of times, you know, I'm just having to, I felt like I had to just keep putting out fires left and right, and there's no chance to look up. Um, It's not just the lawsuits and pre-existing crises, you know, from like the, you know, the Carlos Cordero I keep wanting to say regime, but that's not the correct word. It's era, um, era his term, his incumbency, his term. There we go. And uh, like the equal pay lawsuit with the the U.S. soccer's old law firm that used misogynistic language in a filing or misogynistic concepts and ideas that which kind of led to his well, not kind of, it did lead to his resignation. And it was COVID. <laughs> <laughs> like long and short of it, it was COVID. Yeah. Um, and, you know, she's having to find a way to figure out how to support all the member organizations, uh, you know, between like safe uh, return to play protocols and money. So I certainly would not trade jobs with her, with anybody in that position during COVID. If you look on her website, it's actually a pretty detailed breakdown of what she wants to do 
Um, going forward, when we talked, she emphasized a couple of things like addressing referee shortages, which predates COVID, like having enough trained American referees mm-hmm. at all levels. Um, but, if, you know, she talks about how she wants to implement, uh, you know, publicizing the 2026 FIFA World Cup. She mentioned this as well, where she wants to coordinate more with all the 50 state member organizations, especially with the World Cup, to like activate um, promotion for the tournament in each of their states because they've got the local footprint. They know their their constituency and their user base better than U.S. soccer at the top of the pyramid, that sort of thing. It's actually, you know, there's a lot of good points in here. Well, I won't say good or bad, but she has, she has good detail mm-hmm. in here, like with her platform, not just listing broad overarching goals, which is, I will note, so you look at Cindy Parlo Cohn's website, and the last time I looked at Carlos Cordero's website, he also had his platform laid out, but it was a lot more like broad strokes. These are my general ideas, kind of the theme of things, or Cindy Parlo Cohn's website looks a little more granular at the moment with like actual implementation, maybe a little bit more from the ground up, um, or like focusing on the, the, individual level up as opposed to the top down that Cordero's site is presenting. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is supported by Season 3 of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League 2 after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. Catch all new episodes Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. Well, you've mentioned a few times the the sort of role of the state organizations, and she says a few times in this particular interview that you did with her that she wants to leave a lot of that to sort of local bodies to sort of determine what what's best and us soccer is there to kind of help them as 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 best they can that would seem to indicate that she sees her path to victory the fact that she's saying stuff like this as going through these state organizations and the people that represent them and hoping that they might cast a vote or influence people that can cast a vote for her do you get that impression that that's sort of how she's thinking about it or is she going about it some other way honestly my first reaction to that is opposite, okay. where she's saying, um, you know, I want to repair relations with these guys. I want to communicate more with them. We need to trust our youth associations, which I would, my gut feeling, based on nothing but just, you know, gut, yeah. is that maybe she knows she needs to court these groups more because they're more behind Cordero. Um, Carlos Cordero gave, he finally gave an interview to Soccer America where he talked about, you know, he says many, many members across the Federation over the last six months have asked him to run, um, expressing concerns about being ignored, being marginalized. And, you know, we don't know how much of that is, um, you know, legitimate grievance. There are 50 states and presumably 50 state youth organizations, um, 
and how much is maybe due to COVID where it's like, look, there's 50 of you and there's a global pandemic and how much is just legitimate? Like she just, you know, uh, maybe the youth association is having a valid complaint. Like the president did not care about our issues or that's the way it came off to me. So I can't quite, you know, I can't say, but Cordero is implying that he has a, enough of a support to to come back after leaving in disgrace so he's got to have something in his pocket yeah um and like we said uh, we've you know and i know that you have reached out to cordero's team to get hopefully a little bit more uh detail on sort of what his uh proposals are in the same way that you ju- you're doing in this particular interview with cindy Cone. but based on what you know about Cordero's campaign and what he has on his website in this interview that he just gave. What what's what have we heard from him? Like, what do we know about sort of what his platform is and what he is promising? Well, um, I would say the top thing that comes to mind is that he wants to. It's around the 2026 World Cup, making that a premier event. Obviously, sure. obviously earning a lot of money for U.S. soccer, which then gets passed around to all of its other member associations. And then, you know, the other generic promise, which is bringing more big soccer events to the United States beyond the World Cup, um, which kind of I think every president would be smart to promise, because once again, more big events, more coverage, more money for everybody. Money, I understand, is quite important, (laughs) as it turns out, uh, especially for uh, a a business like U.S. soccer. Uh, Steph, I think this will be a really interesting story to to, to follow all year long between yourself and Meg Linehan. I know you guys are going to be on it. Uh, you, though, at least in the immediate future, you're off to Los Angeles. Uh, you'll probably, <laughs> you might be in the air by the time this episode is out. Uh, for the She Believes Cup, uh, the U.S. has a trio of games. Uh, the first one is on Thursday against the Czech Republic at 11 p.m. Eastern Time. What are you looking forward to in, in this particular tournament? What should fans be looking out for uh, I know that there are some names that are going to be fairly new to the roster. Of course, Trinity Rodman being maybe the biggest one after the performance she had in NWSL this past year. There's also Jalen Howell. There's also Sophia Smith. Uh, what specifically are you looking for from the team in uh, in this trio of games? I'm really interested in kind of the technical deployment of these players. Um, I think the more we see how Vlatko Andonovsky uses his younger players and integrates them and maybe even trusts them to do things like run the show, to anchor a defense, to be, you know, to carry a lot of goal scoring burden, it's going to integrate. I mean, it's going to indicate the level to which um, he's maybe preparing for 2023. I don't want to look too, too far ahead, although 2023 is next year. It's not that far ahead. Which (laughs) feels very bad. Yeah. It was it was 2019 Women's World Cup like last summer in my mind. So why is it almost 2023? But um, you know, I was thinking the same thing, and I don't, I don't have an answer for you. I'm I know sorry. the nature of time and experience aside, I I'm really wanting to get more clues on like who is he looking at. We keep talking about like transition and turnover and future leadership, but like the future is now, Alex. Yeah. <laughs> if you want to integrate these kids, you better start doing it now especially ones who have maybe recently been drafted and you want them to get a good full season of whether it's NWSL or you're in the French league or wherever you are to get a good full season of soccer under your belt. Mm -hmm. And then, 
you know, you don't want to be trying to integrate a player into your formation with less than a year to go. And how many games, even if it's U.S. soccer, how many games at the international level can you realistically play in a year, especially under COVID conditions? Just look at She Believes. All the major players that we might have faced in the past, the Germanys, the Frances, the Englands, they're not here. The last time we talked about this combination of preparing for Women's Euro and, you know, COVID travel restrictions. So now we have a new lineup, different you know, opponents that might not necessarily f- propose the same challenges as yeah. those other teams. So, yeah, you want to. I'm. I'm. We're we're approaching that time. I think we are in that time where we need to start gleaning clues from like how is he playing these kids? Who's going to take over for you know Becky Sauerbrunn? God forbid. I don't think that's ever going to happen. She'll play forever. All right, moving on. Uh, the U.S. plays uh, the Czech Republic once again on Thursday at 11 p.m. That's uh, February 17th. They go on to play New Zealand on Sunday at 3 p.m. and Iceland on Wednesday, February 23rd at 9 p.m. All those times are Eastern. And Steph, you will be in Los Angeles for that tournament. Thank you so much for coming on the show today, though, and uh, have a good trip out to, out to California. Oh, I always enjoy L.A. Koreatown, baby. <laughs> Steph's interview with Cindy Parlo-Cone, plus Meg Linehan's explainer of the U.S. soccer election, will be linked in the show's description, which you can see pretty much wherever you're listening if you want to read those. This show is produced by Mike Zimmerman with help from John Hayes. You can get ad-free versions of the show by subscribing to The Athletic. And how do you subscribe to The Athletic? It's actually very easy. You can subscribe for $1 a month for six months by just going to theathletic.com slash soccer every day. And even though I put spaces between those words, there are no spaces in the URL (laughs) just to make it easy for you. Anyway, thanks for listening. Happy soccer to you all.